Did you enjoy that, guys? Yeah. It's great, wasn't it? So, without further ado, can you give a massive round of applause for the show's creator, Daniel Chong? Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. And these are some of your super fans here that love your Thanks program. for coming, guys. <laughs> so congratulations first on the program. Thank you. And then congratulations last year you won a BAFTA. I did. For all you Air Bears, which is really, really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, the series started as a webcomic, yeah? Mm -hmm. And now it's a, a TV show. Can you tell us a bit about how the characters have developed from webcomic to yeah. TV show? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I did a comic, and it was just something I did for fun, um, and I put it online, and absolutely nobody wrote, read it, uh, had no fans, um, <laughs> but um, it was just a fun thing that I could do, and, and that's the nice thing about um, being an artist today, is you can just make something and put it online, and hope that someone looks at it, um, <laughs> unless you're like me, where nobody saw it. But the nice thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I had this thing, and then when I wanted to create a TV show, I just basically looked at these characters and was like, how can I turn this into a TV show? And I at least had a starting point, you know, at that point. So, yeah. Okay, nice. Who came first? Um, they came as a group, honestly. Okay. The, the drawing, I, I drew all three of them together, uh, stacked right from the beginning, so, yeah. yeah and that was, that was my <laughs> next question. How did you come up with the idea for the stack? Um, it was just a funny visual. Uh, I was actually um, in a library with uh, my girlfriend's niece, and I was just trying to make her laugh, and that was the thing that seemed funniest to her, so I just kept drawing it, and uh, yeah. That, and then here we are. Here we are. There it is. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Daniel's worked as a storyboard artist on, on some great productions. You've, you've worked on things like Inside Out, mm -hmm. uh, Cars 2, Bolt. Now, can you play, uh, explain what being a storyboard artist is for the guys out there? Yeah, for feature animation, if you're a story artist, you basically get a script, and um, basically you're the first person to try to merge visuals with the writing. And so in live action, obviously, you have a camera, and you have to, you know, you just film yeah. um, stuff. But in, in animation, you can actually draw it out to see if it all makes sense and works. And, uh, but at Pixar, they, have, they don't call it storyboarding. They actually call it story reboarding because it goes through so many different versions of rewrites and stuff, so we just redraw it over and over again. But if you think of it, it's kind of like a comic strip, and we all just kind of um, are just showing like, a proof of concept, like how the show might look. Okay. Early on, yeah. Cool, cool. Now, um, you came through the uh, Cartoon Network development program. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got some budding um, animators and artists out there. Oh, cool. Now, for them, uh, would you say it was a good thing to maybe make your own shorts? Is that a, a way to get into animation? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think one of the hardest things, especially when you want to be in animation, is figuring out what is the most exciting part of it for you. And I don't think I realized it until I made my own short films of like what part I liked the most, you know? And then when I, once I got the TV show, you have to be able to do everything. Like you have to be able to <laughs> storyboard, you have to be able to draw character design, you have to be able to like edit and like finish a product, you know? So being able to make my own film was really important to figuring out the whole process of making my own show. Nice, yeah. so who knows, we could see some uh, animations from these guys out, out yeah. there soon. So. Now, um, you've achieved a lot with Wee Bear Bears in a short space of time, yeah? But what, what are your goals? Where do you want to take it from here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, in TV, you work really fast. That's one of the big differences between working in movies and TV. Mm -hmm. Movies, uh, like Inside Out, I was on it for 
two years, and overall it took five, six years to make, wow. maybe even more for the director. So it's a very long process. TV, we just keep moving, yeah. never stop, and <laughs> uh, yeah, make, make, make. And, I'm make. and right now I'm still answering emails as, you know, as I'm on this trip, you know, because there's so much work that needs to be done. Okay. So all we do is we, right now we're just focused on making more episodes. Um, I would love to make a movie for Bears at some point, yeah, and I have some ideas. Um, but yeah, we're just focused on making a lot of new episodes, introducing some new characters, um, I'm not sure if it aired here in the UK, but we recently did a 22-minute episode, so it was okay. like maybe double the length of a normal episode, and it was epic. It was a huge episode, um, <laughs> a lot of stakes, a lot of drama, <laughs> and, a, oh, wow. and a lot of comedy. So it was uh, that was like a nice proof of concept if we could eventually go from there like, to, to make a, a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's enough questions for me. How about you guys out there? Would you like to ask some questions? Okay, cool. Well, we've got a couple of microphones that are going to be coming around. So once we get a microphone to you, then you'll be able to ask a question. So first up, over there in the yellow. Um, are any of the characters um, based on any real people you know? Yeah, yeah they're all based on real people uh, <laughs> or, or animals. Um, so all the bears are kind of based on me. They're all versions of my personality. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but... Um, like when I'm running the show, um, I'm very like grizzly. I have to be a leader. I have to be outspoken. I have to be like this, where I have to not be scared. So grizzly is very much like that. Uh, but you know, when I'm by my, you know, with my close friends or you know people I'm comfortable with, I tend to be a little bit more like panda. You know, I think that's more my default personality. Um, and then when I'm with my family, I'm very much like Ice Bear, you know, because, <laughs> because you know, my, my parents are a bit serious and, you know, my family, you know, they're, they're not the most joking people. So I think I tend to try to compensate by being a really weird person around them. So, <laughs> and just say random things while everyone's having their main conversation at the dinner table. I'll just say something really weird just to, like, make it interesting because I'm bored. So, um, those, so those three are... Um, Pretty much me, uh, Charlie, who you saw in that last episode, he's based on a friend of mine in junior high who used to come around. He never brought lunch to school. He would just go around stealing people's food. So um, he would come around and be like, oh, are you going to eat that? And he would just take one. Um, Chloe is based on my girlfriend's niece. Uh, she's the one that I was doodling where I, when I created the bears, and so she's based on that. And then uh, Nom Nom is based on an internet dog that my girlfriend hates. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, who's next? I think we've got one coming down here. How did the three bears meet? That is a great question. And um, it, it, I, I have a feeling that's something I want to reveal when, if we get a chance to make a movie. So um, I don't really, actually, I personally have I, some broad ideas, but we haven't even written that episode yet. So the honest answer is um, we know a couple details, but we don't exactly, I don't even really know. Um, exactly, because we haven't written that episode yet. But uh, that's a great question because that's kind of one of the great mysteries that we've set up in the show is we see the baby bears um, and we see them as adults, but we never know how they, how met. they met. And we've been starting to do episodes where we see the backstories of each bear individually. So we recently did one with the Ice Bear and we got to see him by himself um, and where he came from. We recently did a panda one. I think you guys will probably get that next year. Um, we see Panda by himself. And we actually finished the Grizz one recently, too. So each of them kind of has their own little backstory episode. And okay. slowly, we're going to work our way up to how they all came together. So. We'll find out one yes. day. Yeah, I can't wait. I don't even know. <laughs> There's one over here. Um, why did you necessarily choose those three bears? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it was just kind of what, what came out when I was drawing. Um, maybe it was just a pretty funny visual to me. Um, but that's a great question. It's very random. 
Um, when, I, when I wonder, sometimes when I think about why bears even, you know, when you think of that, it could have been three cats, could have been three sharks, could have been anything. <laughs> but um, but um, I was living in um, Northern California at the time, which is uh, like San Francisco. Um, and um, where I was living, uh, there's a college there called Cal Berkeley, and their mascot is a bear. Obviously, uh, the, the, on the state flag of California is a bear. So I think... There's just a lot of iconography around me when I was living in the Bay Area in, in Northern California where bears were prevalent everywhere. There were statues of bears everywhere. The school mascot was a bear. So I think it was just kind of in my head. So I think maybe that was one of the reasons why bears. I don't know why specifically these three, but yeah. Maybe because I think they might be maybe three of the more well-known bears. I don't know if that's true for you guys, but yeah, um, yeah I'd right? Say they're probably the three the top three bears, top three bears of yeah. all time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are the bears we got? Black sloth black bear. Black sloth bear, moon bear, black bear, yogi bear. <laughs> yogi bear, koala bear. Right. Yeah, but these, I think these are the top three. Yeah, I, I th they, made, they made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's next? Yes. yes. Um, amongst longtime Cartoon Network fans, We Bear Bears is generally considered to be part of the second golden age of Cartoon Network, along with shows like Steven Universe, Mighty Magistrals, and Adventure Time. Yes. But unfortunately for like many hardcore Cartoon Network fans, mm -hmm. it kind of feels that so many non-Teen Titans Go shows have just been like removed straight off the schedule. But for some reason, all the other non-Teen Titan Go shows have been like really high on the schedule for the European and the Asian Cartoon Network channels. As a content creator, how do you feel that it seems to be really well received in Europe and Asia a lot more? Um, honestly, that's one of the big reasons why, me, for me, traveling internationally has been a joy and a point of focus, honestly. Um, I, I had a feeling that this would happen, and I'm not going to lie. I, I, I think my taste, to me, uh, being in America, I kind of knew that it was a bit of a minority taste. Um, and my references are very British, honestly, and I'm not saying that just to pander you, but um, like Wallace and Gromit was a huge influence on me, and Ice Bear is pretty much Gromit, if you, you know. <laughs> um, and Winnie the Pooh was a huge influence for me too, um, the books especially. Um, and it's not really the majority taste in America, those kind of things, you know? Like Wallace and Gromit is not huge in America. It's known, but it's not like, it's not as prevalent as, you know, some other things. So um, I, I kind of just felt like I knew that this was going to translate a lot better internationally because I feel like the taste is a little broader in, in terms of what animation can be internationally. So how does that make me feel? Um, I was prepared for it, I guess. Um, and it doesn't surprise me. And um, I'm embracing it. Because really, we're living in a world where um, selling internationally and things being popular internationally is just as relevant, you know? And it, and it can matter just as much. Just because, um, you know, maybe in America it's not the biggest thing, I I'm fine with that, you know? I think the world's a bigger place, so I'm fine. <laughs> totally fine with that. Yeah. Okay, who's next? Over here. Hello. What gave you the idea? I like your. I'm sorry. What gave you the idea? What gave me the idea? Um, well, early on, when I had the comic, I was, um, you know, I think I was trying to impress my girlfriend's niece, and uh, she, you know, she was like ten. She was pretty young, and uh, when I was drawing, she was just laughing at the drawings. And so that's kind of where the idea came from. It was, and then I made it into a comic, and then here we are, just like that. So, does she, she know that one of the characters has been? Oh yeah, by she brags about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not young anymore. I mean, this was a long time ago. She just started college, so. Oh wow, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so this was, so I created it quite a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah nice. Up at the back there. Who's your favorite bear? Oh, oh. I'm gonna start a fight. Um, <laughs> 
I don't have a favorite. Like I mentioned earlier in uh, a question earlier, they're all kind of me. So I think I, I relate to all of them. You know, I understand where they're all coming from. You love all your children. Yeah, they're my children. <laughs> but like I said, Panda is probably closest to me. And like um, when we write Panda episodes, for example, that one at the end there, I think I very much understood his predicament, how he feels, his insecurities. And I think Panda is the most flawed, so I guess I understand him as like way more in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Nice. We're back up here. Then I spare the baby. Why can't he speak and the other bears can? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I spare speaks so little as an adult. I think it made sense to me that as a baby, he has absolutely nothing to say yet. Um, and I think, to me, a lot of it has to do with the brother's um, relationship, you know? And I think Grizz will always speak a lot. Panda will always kind of be follow after that. And I think Ice Bear is always kind of the more quiet child. So um, I don't know. And if the question is, when will he ever talk as a baby? Um, again, I don't know the answer to that. Um, someday, maybe we'll write that episode. But we haven't decided for him to speak yet. <laughs> What was someone saying there? Yeah, I think, honestly, um, I, I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to do the movie, but it, it, it'd be great to save a lot of those big questions for a movie. Yeah. Nice. OK. In the red? Hiya. Um, hi. I'm actually a music student. Um, oh, I'm learning to write music for, I want to write for kids' cartoons. Oh, great. So, you know, any animators, give me a call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> yeah. Just put, Bit of shameless self-promotion. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering, when you write the cartoons and the storyboards, do you have an idea of the kind of thing you want? Is it Brad Breek to write for you? Do you talk to him a lot while you're storyboarding? Yeah, um, we don't. Um, a lot of what guides our composer is kind of scratch music. So what we do when we, we we finish the storyboard is we build it into an animatic, which is kind of you know seeing it all together cut with with dialogue and sound effects. And a lot of times we have to put just rough music in there, music that existed from movies, from other TV shows. So like temp tracks. Temp tracks, exactly. And a lot of that creates the baseline for what he you know, will do next. You know? So a lot of times, too, we put pop music. For example, the Baby Bears episode where they're dreaming in the car and driving, that was clearly a ripoff of a Beach Boys song. But you know, obviously, we have to be careful not to mimic it too much, so we'll get sued. But, um, but you know, a lot of times, the music is dictated by the, the temp music. And, but then there's sometimes the temp music doesn't quite capture exactly what we want. So I'll have to work with the composer. We'll sit down before he starts the music for any episode. And we call it a spotting track or a spotting session. And what we'll do is basically talk about the temp tracks at work and you know, maybe follow it like the temp track here. Or we'll decide, maybe deviate a little bit here. Maybe this can be bigger than it is in the temp track. So it's, it's a lot of just like talking it over before he starts. Thank you. Uh-huh, sure. Up at the back in the center. If you switch, um, if you switch bodies with um, any weeby character, what will it be? <laughs> you could switch. If bodies. I could switch, huh, I think Ice Bear would be interesting to live in his shoes. Um, he just is full of so many different skills and talents. Like, he speaks multiple languages. He's, um, he can he can fight, he can uh, cook. Um, I think it would be amazing to be Ice Bear for a day um, to kind of live with that kind of talent. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would go with Ice Bear, probably. 
Hi, Daniel. Um, Hi. Big lover of cartoons, big lover of your cartoon throughout my entire life. Oh, thank you. And the thing I love about your cartoon is that it really combines some, some really nice deep ideas in a very short amount of time and it's super relevant and super connected and I feel like really young children all the way up can enjoy it. How, how do you balance this triangle? It's, yeah, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? <laughs> Um, well, I have a great team around me. You know, I, I don't make this in a bubble. Like, mm. uh, I have an amazing team that you know helps me write. And um, I mean, one of the really great things about TV animation at Cartoon Network, especially, is uh, we do something called board-driven TV shows. And what that means is uh, a storyboard artist will actually write a lot of the episode themselves. So we have writers who will kind of write a. They won't write scripts. They write um, outlines. And uh, what what happened is the story artist then takes it and turns and writes all the dialogue themselves and kind of creates a great sense of uh, improv and naturalism to the mm. writing I think and I think that contributes a lot to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would also um, say at least in terms of my influences working at like Pixar and places like that mm. really taught me a lot about how to control a story, how to tell it in a succinct way, and also how to capture the emotional importance of a scene. Because I think those things are neglected a lot. And um, when I was at Pixar, you know, there was always a point in time during a screening, before, you know, years before a movie would come out, where it's like, OK, what's going on in the movie? Why, why is the emotion not working? And how do we fix that? And when I was in meetings like learning how they would kind of you know, um, figure things out like that in the story room, it, was, it, it just comes in so handy now when I write bears. So I would say a lot of that came from my time working in feature, for sure. Yeah. And thank, thank you. As thank a North American watching a lot of frenetic TV, it's nice to have something yeah, a little more deep and less Th frenetic. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you much. Hi, Daniel. Um, I'm a big fan. And uh, oh, as you. a uh, small-time creator myself right now, uh, I find it very uh, interesting to see your story and how you've grown from doing a webcomic. Uh, Thank you. I also appreciate the amount of like internet humor you inject into the show, <laughs> and I think that it sits with a lot of us. Yeah. As well. um, my question is: I know you touched on it uh, a bit at the start about your experiences going from being um, kind of a small creator to running a show. Um, I'm just interested to know what kind of challenges and obstacles uh, came along that way during that path, and how um, you managed to kind of build yourself up over the years. Right. Um... There, there's just there's a big learning curve. I mean, even I had been working in the animation industry for probably like 11 years before I got a TV show. Um, that that helps a lot, you know, in troubleshooting sort of how I wanted to run the show. And you know, I had a lot of examples of working with directors and stuff that, and I knew what I didn't like and I knew what worked. So that helped a lot. But it will never prepare you for how much work having a TV show would be and the troubles <laughs> that would come. But I, def I definitely was a little better prepared than maybe some younger creators at the studio. Um, but, um, but yeah, but there's still tons of problems. I would say one of the biggest problems our show has is um, what we call complexity issues. And what that, what, we, what that defines for us is the show gets too big and too, un and we call it unproducible. And um, I think one thing that I really wanted was to make every episode feel very cinematic and big. And I wanted to move the camera around. I wanted to feel immersive. Because I think um, you know, the, the history of TV animation, um, especially in America, is like it's very cheap to make. You know, if everything's flat. Reuse as much as you can um, and make it really cheap. And I just had 
maybe because coming from movies, I wanted to make it really sophisticated in terms of how it was filmed, and um, I really wanted it to be shot really well. But that created a really difficult situation for me because we couldn't afford to do that many backgrounds. We couldn't afford to um, do so many art assets, you know? And so learning to manage that it was very difficult. And, but what it does teach you is you learn to simplify your ideas a lot. And that's really important you know, when you're making something is you got to learn how to kind of boil things down. And, um, because I think a lot of times when you create something, you tend to just go crazy. And you just like shoot for the moon all the time. But sometimes you need a couple of rest some restrictions and you need some limitations. And so I had to learn how to deal with those limitations and still make a show work with the budget that we had. And uh, that was a really difficult thing to learn. But you know, we get through it. Some episodes are harder than others. Some are bigger than others. Um, but you know, we figure it out. But yeah, you know, I think the more you make your own stuff and you learn through making of your own thing, even if it like, is not good, it's good to just make things because you learn so much every time. So good luck, man. Yep. <laughs> Down here, where have we got? There you go. How long does it take you to make an episode? That's a great question. Um, I would say to get all the way to TV, it might take about a year. But it's, um, it's a long process because animation takes time. You know, uh, the way that we animate our show, it's still drawn on paper. It's still hand-drawn with a pencil. Oh, wow. Um, just like back in the days, back in, you know, when animation started, it's, it's, we're doing a very traditional process to make this show. Obviously, technology and computers expedites you know, things a little yeah. bit better than it used to be. But we still have a very old process the way we work. Um, but to me, that's the aesthetic of the show, and that's what I wanted. I wanted it to look friendly, nostalgic. I wanted it to feel comfortable. So I wanted those things. You know? And obviously, we could make it with a computer program. We could animate a computer program. It might be a little faster. But to me, the quality wouldn't look quite like this. So a year, about a year, I think, is safe to say. Yeah, hi. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for keeping traditional animation alive. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. Second of all, you seem to have had a really, like, um, uh, your professional career. You've had a good journey. Mm. I just want to know, um, when you were creating this, were there any times where you didn't feel as if it was going to go forward? And how did you push yourself to get to this level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, to make a show, TV show too, it, it was a big risk because, um, you know, I had a very comfy career in feature animation, and the nice thing about feature animation is it's like working for you're working for a big company, and after a project ends, they'll put you on another project, so you can be set up for life, you know, and you could just sit back and enjoy that life. But to me, it, it became it stopped being creatively fulfilling after a while, and to me, I had to get out and just do my own thing. So, but to go out and quit that job, quit that comfortable life, and make my own thing, it, it was a huge risk because yeah. if the show failed, like it could, you could do a season and they cancel it, and that would be, and then I'd have to start all over again, and so it was scary. But um, to me, like creatively, I had to go out and do my own thing, or else I would have just been frustrated. And people think I'm crazy for leaving Pixar, but. Mm -hmm. And it was a great company, and there's great people there. And those projects, like the last movie I worked on, it was Inside Out. And seeing that touch the world in such a big way you know, means a lot. But in a way, I, I, I still felt like I had something very personal and unique I needed to say uh, creatively. And I knew that there was a 
there was something missing in the world, you know, because I wanted to put something out there. So, um, but there are definitely times where it, it, it could have derailed a million times. You know, this show, there are so many times, point, points of time where it could have just gone off the rails, but you just have to keep working at it. Before I had Bears, I had a pilot at Nickelodeon. Um, I don't talk about it a lot, but I had a pilot at Nickelodeon and we, I... We don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, it, and, it, and it didn't get picked up. And I worked on it for three years and it, it, it failed. And, uh, and I think it was really heartbreaking because I spent three years of my life working on this thing and it just... And I don't even own it anymore. I had, I, I don't, it's not wow. mine anymore. So that was very debilitating, but I just had to, I took a month off. And then, you know, at a month I had to assess, do I want to just work in feature and that's it? Or do I want to do my own thing? And, my, and I just kept saying, no, I got to do my own thing. So I went back, took this comic, rebuilt it. And a month I pitched a Cartoon Network and it got picked up, or it got the pilot. So um, you just have to fight through it, you know, and be resilient, I guess, you know. Um, Daniel, um, yes. thanks very much for spending time today. Um, I'm a big, long-time animated animation fan. Cool. I'm just curious to know, obviously, two things. Firstly, what did you watch when you were a kid that really enjoyed you really enjoyed in animation? Because obviously, I'm of the early Disney stuff like The Rescuers and sure, like yeah. um, Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, because I'm a writer, I mean, obviously, what do you tend to be the what are the key things to use as a point of reference if you are going to write for animation? Because obviously this is something that I'm looking at for my future projects. So sure, if you sure. can, yes, sir. Um, the things I grew up with, I, I mean, I grew up with a healthy dose of cartoons. When I was a kid, Saturday morning, uh, you know, was huge for me. And I would watch everything from Smurfs to Muppet Babies. I mean, these are just things I grew up with as kids because cartoons were so plentiful then. Um, but I would say one of the most crucial Things that I saw though when I was like in junior high, it was like I said, Wallace and Gromit. My dad took me to, and it, like I said, it's not a big thing in the U.S., especially when that short, the first, I think it was the second short, the wrong trousers came out. But I went to a, my dad took me to a film festival because I saw it in a newspaper, and I remember when I saw that short, it changed the way I saw animation. It changed the way I saw how comedy could work in animation. It changed the sensibility was something I'd never seen before, you know, and it was very understated, but it was very clever and it was very visually fun. And um, I think that was a huge turning point for me as a kid. And obviously you can, the influence is so clear with the show, you know, and Wallace and Gromit. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't really grow up with Disney stuff, if, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, I watched it much later in life, but as a kid, um, it really wasn't a huge point of reference for me. Um, I actually grew up more with like, cartoon strips. I think that was probably the bigger influence for me. Um, I grew up with Garfield. I know it's kind of goofy to say that, but that was like really fun reading that. Calvin Hobbes, Far Side, those were all like really big influences for me growing up. And that's how I learned to draw, was copying that stuff. Um, in terms of writing, it's the hardest part of the process, honestly, but it can also be the most rewarding. And, um, you know, I think learning structure is one of the biggest keys to, um, you know, learning to write well, you know, and I think it's in animation especially, in, in live action too, I think it's hard to find people who understand how to write structure, you know, in three acts and, you know, where a story beat needs to fall and stuff. And, you know, obviously there's tons of books on that stuff and a lot of people kind of fight it, but, you know, I think there's a reason those things have stood the test of time. Um, but the, 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 the challenge is finding original ways to use that three-act structure and make it interesting still so it's not predictable anymore. 
Um, but I think for me, the thing, the key to bears is always finding character, having characters that are interesting and compelling and that have clear wants is a really important thing to establish. And also just finding a heart to the story, I think, is really important to me. And I'm always looking for that whenever we create stories, you know, because I feel like I don't care if I don't care. I don't, I don't think the audience will care if the, you don't care what the characters want and they don't feel like emotionally you're on a, you know, a ride that matters to them. You know? So um, that's really paring down writing. There's a lot more to it, obviously. But um, those are things that I think about a lot when we're writing. Yeah, yeah. Back now. Out of all the episodes, what has been your favorite? Um, your favorite app. Yeah. Difficult. That's hard to. Um, we did a really early episode um, called Burrito. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's a little obvious, um, but to me, it was crucial because um, it, it had a very emotional ending and it kind of came out of nowhere, but I, I had a feeling if we were able to sell that story, um, we could sell this, this show would have longevity. Because to me, if you can make someone emote emotionally with your characters and really care about them, um, I think people will want to watch yeah. the show more. And we pulled off this ending, hopefully, I hope you guys agree, that uh, Grizz, you know, had this really traumatic experience. And, and um, you know, Grizz, like Grizz, I think, is a tough character, traditionally, because, you know, you have this really talkative character who's loud, a little abrasive and you know, a little bit cocky. And uh, those kind of characters tend to be kind of annoying sometimes. You, know? you can do it very wrong. But I knew that that was an episode that could turn people's ideas of who he was. And it kind of gave, it made him very sympathetic, I think, at the end of the episode. And to me, that was crucial in the show, but also for the character. And so I guess I hold that close to my heart, because I knew it was going to be a turning point if we could pull it off. And the response was pretty positive overall. So. Um, that, that, that was an episode I really love, yeah. Hello. Um, Grizzly is known to be uh, the oldest of them. Yes. So the first part of my question is, how old are all of them? And the second part, how old is Grizzly compared to them? Um, I think the honest truth is they don't know how old they are. You know, they're all orphans. <laughs> they all have kind of ambiguous sort of backgrounds in terms of them knowing where they came from. And I feel like the only reason Grizz considers him the older brother, Panda Middle, and Ice Bear the youngest is because of their personalities. You know, they're more defined by their personalities. So I think Ice Bear could possibly even be older than Grizz in reality. But I think because of Grizz's personality, he just considers him the older brother. Okay. So I, I, I honestly don't know the answers to how old they are. I mean, we treat them kind of like, you know, maybe uh, teens or people in their 20s, maybe, you know, who are just, you know, not in school anymore. And then the babies are probably like, you know, six, five-year-olds, something like that. But, um, but yeah, they're, uh, we don't, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, but... Yeah, I'm sorry, that's a, it's a tough question <laughs> that you're asking me. <laughs> okay, we've got one there. Mm -hmm. um, if you were Chloe's parents, would you let her sleep with the bears? <laughs> if, I, if I was coming to Paris? If you were Chloe's parents. If you were Chloe's parents. Oh, I was Chloe's parents. I think we've set up that uh, Chloe's parents trust the bears, you know? I think they're, they're okay with them, so... Uh, yeah, I think they're cool. I think they trust her. They trust them. <laughs> okay, last question at the front here. 
How hard was it to make the free bear bears? How, I'm sorry? How hard was it, yeah? How hard was it to make wee bear bears? It's very hard. <laughs> Great question. Um, the, the trick is to make it look like it's not a lot of work. You know, when you see the episode, we have to make it look fun and exciting and easy. But every inch is labored after. Every background is hand-painted. You know, it's done digitally, but someone still has to do it. Someone has, still has to animate every inch of it. So it's a lot of work to produce one episode, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of you know, um, heart. It takes a lot of people's caring for the project yeah. to pull something like this off. And uh, you really have to find the right people to work with. But that's been one of the biggest joys for me is um, you know, when I got my own show, I got to hire people that I like what they do. And they all, get, they all are working to make something that I, I am really excited about. And that has been one of the most exciting things to, to do. But it's, it's a lot of work to make an episode. But we all love doing it. So it's a labor of love. Gentlemen here. Uh -huh. When you're making the new series, um, how do you come up with the settings and the new characters? Because I remember when I watched the first episode when they meet Charlie. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it just happens in the writing. I think um, the nice thing about the baby bears is they, we, don't, we can take them anywhere in the world. And so we can put settings like in different countries. And we've done, we, we recently did one where they're in Mexico. Uh, we did one where they're in Japan. Uh, we did one with them on an island. Uh, so the baby bears can kind of be anywhere. For the adult bears, they're more or less relegated to staying kind of you know, in the city. And that's kind of where they're kind of stationed in the cave. They have a home now. So the bears are a little bit, I don't want to say limited, but you know, they're kind of going to be kind of more in a city area or forest. Um, but for the baby bears, we kind of go a little crazier. So we kind of put them all over the place, put them on a plane. We'll put them, you know, like I said, on an island or um, you know, in different cities all over the world. So um, yeah, we, um, that, that's, we, we, it just comes in the writing, and we just talk about it. You know. If you didn't do bears, which one would you do? Which other animals would you do, like, sh like yeah. lions, <laughs> dogs? <laughs> um, I like hedgehogs a lot. I think three hedgehogs would be interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I do like cats a lot. I think three cats could be interesting. Um, hedgehogs, cats, what else? Um, I think I might have, uh, let's see, what else would be funny? Cows would be funny. Cows. What if it was like three farm animals, so like a, uh, a cow, a pig, and a chicken on top of each other? When I was a, yeah, when I was a student, um, I loved chickens. I thought they were the funniest thing. And I made a student, my first student film was about a chicken. And uh, so I, I, I could see myself maybe doing something with chickens. That might be an interesting thing. Yeah. Also, to add something else, you know in one of the episodes where um, the panda bear does a quiz and he got black bear in like series one. Uh -huh. I remember when I did the quiz, I also got black bear. <laughs> and that was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, poor panda. He doesn't even get himself as a bear. <laughs> He's not even yeah, the right personality for that bear. Yeah. <laughs> guys, thank you very, very much for your questions. Thank you, guys. Uh, a big thank you to Daniel for being here. Thank you, guys. 
Now, this has been a, a BAFTA Kids event along with uh, Cartoon Network. Don't forget to check out the BAFTA Kids and the uh, BAFTA Teens YouTube channels because you get lots of little interviews and things that you can check out there. As well as that, a big shout out to Cartoon Network's Imagination Studios site. I know there are a few animators out there. There are lots of... Uh, tips and fan art and inspirational stuff there so you might want to check that out that's Cartoon Network's Imagination Studios. Now, for those of you who want to see the brand new uh, series of We Bear Bears, you'll only catch it on Cartoon Network. Yeah, new episodes will be airing from the 1st of November at 4.30 p.m. on weekdays, all right? So that's where you check it out. Um, Daniel, you're going to stick around and give us a, a one or two little autographs? Or, or Absolutely. Two? Yeah, come on up. Yeah. <laughs> If we form a queue over on this side, you'll get to come and say a quick hello to Daniel, maybe get a photo and, and a little autograph as well. Thank you very, very much. We'll see you at another BAFTA Kids event very soon.